Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for local artists. Hello everyone, thank you so much for coming back to Afternoon Delight. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with the lovely and gorgeous and still I'm stalking every week Rue Jazzle from Glasgow. I've got um, a different guest this week who is not from the drag community. The reason I've actually chosen to contact this person and get them to share their story with you um, is for many reasons. A lot of people that know me know that obviously drag is a central part of my life, but I've also in my life worked as an activist for many different organisations and charities and causes. I've done workshops for LGBT of Scotland, the Cystic Fibrosis Trust, fundraised for the Butterfly Trust, and I spoke at an event last year in October for the I Am More Than campaign at the We Red Bar and met the gorgeous Mandy Rose Jones, who runs the Empower Room Project. Mandy is a fiery soul. She is um, controversial at times, but I think the world sometimes needs people to be outspoken and their authentic self because if everyone was the same, everyone would be boring. <laughs> Let's face it. And she is an absolute Sagittarius at heart. She also is a sex worker and openly discusses ways that people can explore sex work in safe, consensual ways that will benefit them and not just the white patriarchal society that unfortunately we do still very much live in. I am a sex positive artist as well. I work with a woman called Katrina Smith from Mini Smitch Productions. And we, just before the pandemic, had started a sex positive speed dating night at CC Blooms, which we hope to return for its one year anniversary, quite clearly in March. So it felt right to get Mandy on to talk about what they've done as an activist, where they're going next, and how they feel like people could get into this line of work digitally. I would like to welcome you all to the gorgeous Mandy Rose Jones. So I'm very excited this week to be interviewing one of my favorite women that I have uh, had the pleasure of attending events and speaking at events with. It is a very interesting uh, guest this week. We've got activist, and gorgeous human, Mandy Rose Jones from the Empowered Women Project. Hello, hello. hello. Is that, hello. is this the point where we like cue a round of applause, like yeah. on the cue? Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> there will be applause, <laughs> don't worry. Um, so Mandy, can you, do you want to tell everyone how I met you or would you like me to tell everyone? You can tell everyone, it's the Georgie Show. Oh, <laughs> thank you. So, <laughs> I um, spoke at an event. Now, would this have been actually last October? I La- actually think it was last year in October. Yeah, I think it was a year ago. This year has been, I don't even know what month we're on, but yeah, I think no. it was last <laughs> So I don't know if it was either last, it was the end of October, maybe beginning of November, but we both spoke at this event at the Weeded Bar called the I Am More Than Diversity... Night. I'm just catwalk event. That was it, right? <laughs> and basically, I was given the pleasure of speaking first, uh, which I was really dreading because I just got a hospital. And five times I'd asked Mandy after having a drink with her at the bar, 
um, could she just remind me her name because I was delirious on pain meds. And she said, it's Mandy, don't worry, babe, you'll be fine. And I got on stage, I gave my speech on being a queer artist and turned around and said, and now I'm going to introduce you uh, to the Empower Women Project with, and then Mandy goes, Mandy. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I've always had respect for that because something like that would have genuinely gave me really bad anxiety with my mental health growing up, especially, and social anxiety. And I was like so dreading that. And you laughed, came on stage and you gave such a lovely comment afterwards on how inspirational my work was. And I just thought, that is the kind of person that, one, I want to get to know, and two, I want to have on this show. So thank you so much. Listen, I think if you've gone through things like that yourself and have been there, you completely understand. And you kind of, like, see a lot of, like, when you see someone struggles with their mental health as well, that that sort of stuff doesn't even, I forgot that even happened. Do you know what I mean? You just handle it and you just think, you know, I've been there a million times and yeah, we all got there. It was a fab event. I think if, I think that's important actually, you know, the more you can relate to things and empathize, the easier life can be. A hundred percent. And the more you're willing to as well and you think, oh God, that's happened to me before. And you just laugh it off and you get the room on side as well. And you just go, Mandy, da, 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 and just get the drinks in. It's all fine. That's it. <laughs> that is such sad taste behavior. Just get the drinks in. It's fine. <laughs> just get the drinks in. <laughs> Bill's to pay, get the drinks in. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to ask a couple questions like I did with last week's guest. However, I would like to give you the floor just now to kind of say who you are, where you stay and what you primarily do as an activist and for a job that'd be great fantastic so I'm Mandy Rose Jones um I actually give myself a fear when I say my name these days because <clears throat> we'll get into it later on because of the trolls <laughs> that I've had on the internet but anyway that is my name um I live in Glasgow um I founded a blog called the Empowered Women Project in 2018 I was actually in a psychiatric unit when I started the blog um so it was my wee sanctuary my wee escape and I still run it I still enjoy creating content for it as a job I've sort of been an on and off stripper and sex worker for a good few years now um obviously with the pandemic I can't you know have my wee weekends where I run away to Aberdeen and make some money and come back so that's why I started an online subscription site, which is how I'm primarily making my income at the moment, which is a site similar to OnlyFans. Um, and what else? That's basically me. I live in Glasgow and yeah, that's me. <laughs> Brilliant. I love that you sum that up perfectly. And I like that you've already mentioned the pandemic because again, like I said to last week, guess, you know, the pandemic is affecting all jobs from all different areas, you know, arts, activism, sex work. NHS, every kind of job you can imagine under the sun is affected by us. So thank you for that. So I'm going to ask you kind of a general question that I'm asking every guest. Um, just kind of where did you grow up and did you study? Did you work on where, what kind of, um, what made you pursue different jobs that you've done up until this point, really, if you wouldn't mind sharing? Uh, <clears throat> so I grew up in the borders in a very small town. And I don't know if you can relate to this because I guess you were kind of closer to the city, but in the small town, there's no real gaps for differences in people. And I always felt like I didn't really fit in. Like I used to have my lunch in like the music room and like I was friendlier with some of the music teachers than I was with people in the school. I was a bit of an oddball. I didn't really fit in. Instead of trying makeup, I'd put blue mascara in my hair and then wonder why nobody wanted to sit with me, all that stuff. Anyway, <clears throat> so I grew up. Um, had a weird relationship with my dad growing up, which is kind of the reason for a lot of my uh, traumas in adulthood. But I'm kind of unpacking that as a 30-year-old woman now, which is good and bad and difficult. Um, when I left school, I went and studied musical theatre. 
because my full life I've been a singer and a performer and that's what I loved to do. Um, But as the years went on and I got married and settled down, I guess with a lot of performers, I kind of like lost my way a little bit. And the less that I was performing, the less I felt like I could go back and the less motivated I was. And, you know, it becomes a spiral. The less you're doing, the more you're kind of like feeling more and more disconnected from that life that you had before. So I kind of fell away from that when I got married and ended up lagging myself a job at the Daily Record, just like selling ads in the paper. So that's what I did for a good few years when I was married. And I guess being in that fast-paced media environment gave me a real um, a real love for like journalism and writing and stuff. So I've never studied anything like that before, but certainly that's probably what led to my interest in writing and stuff. And so with the blog, is super successful now, but I'm by no means a writer. And I think that's something I want to push in this video is that, you don't have to go and study something or train something to be good at something if you're passionate enough about it. Just, like, open your laptop and do it. Do you know what I mean? I do apologise. We had to pause recording because my Amazon driver was two hours late. Standard. Anyway, really? as, <laughs> as we returned. So uh, I never knew you were a performer in the past. So um, that's brilliant. And I never knew that you were similar to me, that you had kind of um, a bit of a, a difficult relationship with your father. I can totally relate to this on so many levels now um, and thank you for sharing that because that's really amazing of you to share such a personal experience like that oh, you, you know honestly I'm here to be if nothing else like just vulnerable and I think that if I've learned anything in the past maybe a couple of years it's that there's strength in our vulnerability and someone's got to do it in order for other people to think oh fuck yeah I'm not the only one dealing with stuff do you know what I mean totally brilliant um so I, I would say what first got you into the jobs but you kind of discussed that actually and the fact that you kind of left performing because you were married and you were kind of focusing on more of a home life situation and then you end up getting your writing job and I like that you bring this quality of anyone can write because that is the truth that you know a lot of people are very good at writing particular styles but anyone can write anything whether it's a memoir a short story poetry you can all write everyone has the ability it's just knowing your style and knowing what you like to communicate to people. Do you know what I mean? hundred percent. And I think through the recent stuff that I've done with the Empowered Women Project and my activism, it's kind of brought layers of performance sort of back into my life. It's kind of come full circle um, because, you know, I do a bit of presenting for the BBC as well. And again, I want to stress to people that when you've got a phone and you've got the internet, anyone is anything they want to be. Literally pick up your phone, start recording yourself, start a podcast like yourself, yeah. start writing. <laughs> Start doing whatever you want to do. We've all, I think people underestimate how much we've all got this amazing global platform in the palm of our hands. And like, it's easy to think, you know, oh, well, she's got this, she's got that. They can do, you know, I can't do what they did because they trained it or whatever. But actually we've all got this power in the palm of our hands and you can make it whatever you want to be. And I think when I say the performing came back into things is um, before I met yourself, Uh, I did an exercise on the blog where I asked people to write to their 18-year-old self. And it was like a real, an amazing exercise because um, it turned out people had loads of things they wanted to say. And um, we had an exhibition where we put all the letters all over the walls. But then we created it into like an immersive theatre experience as well, where we had young actors from the conservatoire basically speaking some of the lines from the letters and becoming the characters. So things like that have really helped me to like, through my writing and through my ideas and creativity, bring 
the aspect of performing back into it all. And of course, like with the activism, naturally the people like yourself are in those circles and other performers, and it's been great to just be linked up and connected to that sort of scene in some way or another again. And so these things never leave you. I think if you've grown up in that way and you've grown up a creative, it'll always find its creativity will always find its way back to you. Definitely. I like that. Jack of all trades, as they say. Right. <laughs> in the lead up to the pandemic then, since you've kind of you've covered a lot of the topics and we will go back to especially the um, Empowered Women project and get more in-depth stuff about it. But in the lead up to the pandemic, kind of what was your main project and what were you doing work-wise just on the regular Monday to Sunday? So I wasn't really working regularly. I would run away for the weekends, do my two nights in a strip club, make enough money to do the things I enjoyed during the week. But the things I enjoyed, well, I had a, I had a bit regular work coming from the BBC, but I was creating little videos. And for me, because of my mental health, sometimes I struggle to get my head around the enormity of a project even if it's not that big I don't know if you can relate to this like sometimes I'll have an amazing idea but the thought of going from there to there to get that out there just feels like oh my god so overwhelming so yeah I mean the stripping has always been something easy for me to just run away do it do my thing under a fake name take my money and then go back and do the things I want to do so I guess since my marriage ended the stripping has been my main source of income cool so let's talk about this right because you know I am very pro-sex work I am always under the opinion that if you yes. are oh, <laughs> totally if you um are using your body in whatever way you want and is consensual and safe for you there is absolutely no problem to me with this sort of stuff I am um, so glad that you speak about that openly and you have compassion for those and you actually in my opinion you give an activism way that you do it that people can relate to that and you give them insight you don't just say to them oh, I'm a sex worker, that you actually say, I'm a sex worker and here's how you can do it in a safe way that will benefit you. And that is what the main thing I've noticed actually with Twitter especially is you get a lot of not safe for work uh, Twitters and you get a lot of um, OnlyFans. So my next kind of question actually would be now, um, because you're so pro-sex work like myself, what kind of um, advice can you give to people if they want to get into it? I think like anything, like ask yourself why. Um, and if your reason is that you want to make a bit of money while being safe in the comfort of your own home like myself, then absolutely um, go for it. But one big thing that I've said to a lot of girls recently, one of whom is my friend, she has, I'll not name her, but she has nearly a million followers on Instagram and she's um, living in the States at the moment. And she said to me, I really need to start just paying the rent. How can I go about doing an OnlyFans? And so I helped her get set up and everything like that. But I made it clear to her that when you start something like this, whether it's in the strip club, whether it's on an online site or in-person full service sex work, you need to make sure you set your own boundaries and stick to them. That is a huge, huge thing. And the issue with these online sites, and I cannot stress it enough, and I said it in my video on YouTube that you mentioned earlier, is that it's very easy that, say I started my site and I said, right, I'm only going to go topless. That's as much as I want to do. No more. That's me because I know that once that's out there, there's every chance that that could get leaked and someone could be a shite bag. And da, 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 da. But the problem is when the money's coming rolling in and the people are saying, you know, if you just do, if you just do, the temptation is massive yeah. to disregard your own boundaries and just like go further than you wanted to go. If you want to get everything out and bloody part your arse cheeks on the camera, then I think more power to you. Go, 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 hun. But if you've gone into it and you've thought that's not what I want to do and I don't feel comfortable is the main thing or safe doing that 
then it's very easy to just start like disregarding all of those and then the fallout from that can be very hard on your mental health. Amazing. Thanks so much. And I know because obviously we discussed it before we went on live with this, but you've got a YouTube account. What's your name on YouTube? And you've got this video that will talk more in depth about that as well for other people. Yes. So I'm... Yeah, so a bit like um, yourselves and others throughout the pandemic, I was feeling really limited. I live on my own. I wasn't able to go to the strip club, which is kind of the, you know, where I socialise and stuff. I wasn't able to meet up with friends. And so um, I got myself a camera and I just started like messing around. And my brother's like a videographer, photographer. So I thought, you know, I'd love to like start a new YouTube channel. Don't know what I'll talk about. But then I realised that my DMs on Instagram from both uh, non-sex workers and sex workers is just constantly like how do I go about starting on the fans how do I go about starting a subscription page blah 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 so I thought okay well that's a good starting point I'll just talk about it from a candid point of view and from a human point of view because sometimes the actual human attachment to sex work is lost along the way it's like mm. you're speaking to me now and I'm sat in my dressing gown with my cap beside and I'll probably make a coffee in a minute with a bloody top knot on my head but there's this the human behind the sex work is so often lost. Do you know what I mean? There's sex workers are also mums. Sex workers are teachers. One's a doctor. Like sex workers are just normal people that walk among the street. Do you know what I mean? And so um, I forgot what the question is, but yeah, the YouTube video. So the YouTube channel is The Mandy Show. Um, and uh, I'm just going to talk about all sorts of things that I enjoy to talk about without the restrictions of like, you know, a certain platform or um, a certain audience so um, I noticed now that that video has more dislikes than likes but that is the reason that I'm challenging these sorts of perceptions like even my own mum and family are daily battling with the work that I do so that you know that's it is what it is and I'm used to it and I'm, I'm open to challenging uh, ideas about it. Do you know I think that's so interesting and you know it's what you say um, about sex work that there's this you know assumption I wouldn't say from all men but quite a lot of you know men I've dated in the past especially that you know I think the porn industry and again that could be something we could talk about in a separate episode for an hour long but <laughs> I think there's this expectation met made that you're saying that people look at your if you had an OnlyFans Twitter and are like oh that's what they must be like 24 7 when no hun it's like an actor goes on stage that's not who they are all the time uh, a porn star on like pornography isn't like that all the time and I think it's that sort of materialistic thing superficiality that you know people watch porn and they go oh, that's what it must be like and it's like hon <laughs> like it's still it still works like some mornings I can't be arsed like putting on the makeup and posing for the camera or sometimes you know I'll literally be doing some ironing and replying to a guy like I'm horny as well babe tip me a tenner like when I go to the supermarket with a tenner and get my shopping so like it's like it's just this it's still work and some days you don't feel horny you know it's just like anything and the fact that I trained as an actress I suppose does help because for me I'm just putting a hat on and it is just like Annabelle is a different um is a not a different and you might find this yourself with drag not a different person to me but almost like a master I can step, yeah persona but I can also step into my truth a wee bit more confidently because I feel like with a pseudonym it's less like um, it's less committal because it's Annabelle it's not Mandy it's Annabelle I love that. <laughs> I do get that because it's like that in every life, you know, uh, like I obviously this morning had a really bad argument with a doctor on the phone and I had to yeah, sit I'm there. Yeah, sorry and, you went through all that. Oh, no, it's fine. And, you know, I had to sit and go, these, you know, a lot of people get that with doctors. They go, oh, you know, if I'm talking to a doctor, I have to talk this way because they will have a go at me and they'll be angry. And I'm sitting going, they are a person like everyone else, hon. 
And with the way things are at the moment, they don't really know what they're doing half the time either. You don't have to put up with them treating you like shit. Just on that point of like not letting anyone talk to you like shit either, like I um, had this conversation with my therapist who I trust with my life the other night. Um, uh, and I feel actually very grateful that I'm able to see a therapist right now because Zoom has kept us all connected and stuff. But I said to my therapist, I said, you know what, Rosie, I really, really adore you and I really look up to you. And she says, I'm just going to stop you right there. She says, you don't look up to anybody. I says, what do you mean? And she says, well, she says, I'm, I'm you know, thanks for saying that, whatever. She says, but when, you, when you're living your life, everyone is eye to eye. We're all born the same. And, you know, you don't need to. My problem is I do tend to put, whether it's men in relationships or friend, women in friendships or men in friendships even, or my therapist or someone or a doctor, I do the same. I have this, I have people on a pedestal where I think, okay, well, I'll have to dull down a bit of me in order to accommodate them. And that's a really, it's not the right way to live your life because ultimately we're all, like you say, we're all human. Uh, we all breathe the same air and there's nobody more better than anyone else. Do you know? Thank you so much. I totally agree with you. It is so true. And that, that, that happens everywhere, not in just like doctor situation that happens in all of life and all walks of life so um we have talked a lot about mental health quite clearly and with the same sort of situation um with me earlier talking about that with you about the pandemic sort of stuff and you now mention you have a therapist and so do I because <laughs> <I'd say, laughs> we have had such summer lives at some points and um, you recently appeared in a documentary of Gail Porter discussing mental health. Would you elaborate and discuss a bit about that, if you wouldn't mind? Yeah, of course. So um, BBC Scotland did a documentary towards the end of last year. It feels like just yesterday, but here we are. Towards the end of last year um, about Gail Porter. Um, the documentary was called Being Gail Porter. It was very much about her life and her exploration about her own mental health um, issues. And Gail was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And I guess that that well that is my condition and I guess that I speak so openly and publicly about having it that I was kind of the person that they ended up contacting to speak to Gail about my experiences for us two to compare experiences and it was interesting because a lot of symptoms that I experienced Gail has experienced as well but she's never actually just spoke to another human about it like she's just kept it all inside or she's tried to articulate to a doctor and one of the main symptoms of borderline personality disorder is this um depersonalization or derealization it's where everything around you becomes like a dreamlike state kind of like you're in a film like you're not really so your kind of inhibitions and your um fear of things that should be logical go out the window and when I started explaining this to her it was really weird because it was like her head was sort of going fuck I've had this and, and, and I didn't know it was a thing and I didn't know it had a name and so I think that sharing real lived experiences is really powerful and I think that really helped Gail but you know, I'm just glad that someone like herself, um, who's Scottish and in the public eye, is really speaking up about our mental health because people could say from her past that she had it all and she did at one point as far as outsiders were, were concerned. But it doesn't mean that everything was okay here and here and I'm pointing to my head and my heart because, you know, um, she's openly said she struggled with eating disorders when she's on the TV. She wouldn't eat for days just to appear like she was good enough to be in that role. And so the pressures of... of even the body pressures, and that's a whole, again, a whole other episode, which I'm sure, sure you'll get onto, have always been there. It's just that social media has almost put it all under a magnifying glass. I love that analogy of that magnifying glass with social media because it's so true. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like things like Twitter especially, you know, we'll, we'll go into the next part actually about that, but we get a lot of people that go on Twitter like me, and I like to speak the truth about the fact that 
I don't like the way the politics is in the world right now. I don't like the fact that the NHS is in a crisis. I don't like the fact that there's position of power in so many places I've worked, but there is a really uh, sort of double-edged sword with that, that you get a lot of nasty people that are trolls and they write nasty, vulgar things that aren't true. Um, and I would just like to kind of get your thoughts and feelings on that because I know from knowing you personally, but also professionally, that you've had quite horrible experiences, especially mm -hmm. with the Empower Women Project with trolls. Yeah, I've actually never spoken about this, but I'm working on a, a thing where I'm going to basically talk about it. It's now time, like, that I'm, I'm allowed to talk about it is what I can say. But, like, um, yeah, I, I mean, I've spoken loosely enough about it that people know it's been a very, very hard time from about maybe November last year to now there's been two women who have been on a mission to basically ruin my life and I mean it just goes to show you that people will stop at nothing to try and tear someone down these people have showed up in places that I've been um, just to intimidate me they have um, written to the woman that my ex-husband left me for looking for dirt on me they have involved people from my past they have um, spoken to family members about me they've told lies on the internet about me they've done so much harm to me and you know I spent an arm and a leg a few weeks ago getting a, one of the best lawyers um, involved who deals solely with kind of social media um, and it cost me a fortune me and my family but um, just for the bit of respite it's given me it's been so worth every penny and I'm really grateful and I think the main thing is that just remember that you the, the it's hard because it was weird for me I had to have the police sat in my house for example before the pandemic obviously looking at tweets it's like it feels so disconnected because it's ruining my life but sometimes it can it was ruining my life rather but sometimes it can feel like it's not valid because it's not physical or it's not you know, it's not, um, you know, she's not on my doorstep bashing my door down, but it's still very, very difficult. And I can't imagine being a teenager now um, with social media added into the mix. I wouldn't have made it out. I don't think, like, I don't know. Because these are 35-year-old women that are trying to ruin my life through social media. So um, I can't imagine being a teenager. Mm -mm. Do you know, it's so horrible because I was watching BBC Newsnight last night and Roisin Murphy was on talking about uh, the pandemic affecting musicians and live events. And they kind of asked her, oh, why, do you, why are you so upset and stressed? Because you're not making money. And she said, no, I'm past that point now after the six months, but I'm worried about my children because we live in a day and age of social media. And now that everything's going virtual, I feel like everyone's going to lose themselves to the matrix. And you saying that just really struck me there that, yeah, like the fact that these are women in their 30s, I've got, I've had people hound me on Twitter and Instagram that are in their 20s, 30s. And I had these Michael Jackson bots once start on me over a tweet I wrote. And it, oh, yeah. it is excessive and unbelievable that people of all ages, and then you think about when I was at high school, I got bullied, obviously, for being you know, queer and different. But I cannot imagine what cyberbullying would be like now. So it's a scary case, yeah. And the, the social media is very accessible as well. So obviously the police will say, have you blocked them? I'm like, yeah, on, from every means necessary everywhere. But then the, the sock puppet bot accounts would pop up, you know, and Matchels were doing a thing where they were just calling themselves Susan, followed by a, a random combination of different numbers and watching everything I did. So every single day a new account would pop up. They knew I would see it. They would comment on things. So it's, it is, it's the accessibility of it. And then, 
And then it's hard because it's like, right, well, do I just make every single thing I do online private? Wait, no, that doesn't align to my activism and who I want to be in the world. So that doesn't align. So it can be really hard to find your identity online while you're doing the stuff you want to do, making the changes you want to make, but also just keeping yourself safe mentally and physically, I guess, ultimately. Yeah, I totally agree with you, actually. And I think that's the unfortunate thing is people will make new accounts on new email addresses to try and hound you. There, there are cruel people in the world, and I'm sorry you've went through that, but I'm glad that you've been so brave to actually speak about this on the podcast openly. And I hope you obviously do know, like, regardless of the podcast, that obviously if you ever need someone to message, you drop me a line. Thank you, I, I appreciate that. We need to uplift after such shitty behaviour from these people. I would like to actually talk to you about something that was getting me... Um, in the pandemic a lot of support and giving me a lot of support was your TED talk on resilience that I found fascinating and quite inspiring because there came a point in the pandemic for me that I had a bit of an identity crisis I won't lie to you I had a meltdown and was not coping Mm -hmm. living on my own again I think you can empathize with you live on your own like me a hundred percent and I didn't even realize you did live on your own until very recently so like yeah a hundred percent I empathize totally (laughs) And um, yeah, the I decided that something to get me through this kind of month was watch a TED Talk video a day, just inspire me. And I came across, you had done one. And I went, what? <laughs> I didn't know man they'd done one. And I watched it and I never had a, an inkling or clue. Because you, you're one of these people that I think you're like me, you've had a lot happen to you, but I, it doesn't come out in five minutes when I meet you. It comes out long down the line that I go, wow. And that's people like that inspire me because I, I've never, I, anyone that has hardship, I can totally understand. But people that especially, they give you, um, they let you get to know them and then they tell you, oh, gradually, I just always think there's, an, um, what am I trying to say here? I think there's always just been an inspirational thing for me that I think that's a, uh, a symbol of their strength. And the fact that yeah, resilient. And again, yeah, and that's why I called it resilience. Is really is because um, we don't like you've just kind of articulated it in in a way that you don't wear your troubles or your or your dramas. I didn't know that you had CF. Do you know you don't necessarily wear your troubles. So yeah, I've maybe gone through this. I've gone through that and whatever. But I just really the TED talk was about learning to not let it define you and learning that there's life after your troubles or you know if if it is like a health condition or something there's you 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 can still live your life like you you're not limited to your condition or to your or to your past or to the people in your past or to anything like that and we really can bounce back I mean there's been times, and even yourself saying that about the pandemic, where I didn't think I'd make it through. There's actually was probably one or two times during the pandemic where I thought I can't kind of carry on. But the resilience from somewhere, you know, and obviously, sadly, um, we lost Caroline Flack and, and we do continue to lose people to suicide every day, unfortunately. But the resilience of people who are just so determined, you know, I've come through so much. I'm not, why would I give up now? I've come through so much. And without being too grim... My therapist gave me a wee thing and she said, like, suicide is always a, yeah, and again, trigger warning for anyone who doesn't want to listen to this, but suicide is always there as a choice, right? But you know what the other choice is? Stay. Like, be curious. Be, see what's there. See what's, that's always there. That's a choice. But why not just choose to stay? And, and like, that really resonated with me. And I thought, yeah, why, when I've got the choice, why not just hang on and be curious and get creative and meet people and see what's going to happen? 
I think that's really interesting, actually, because I, like I said, go to a therapist. And during kind of my identity crisis, I also had my ex-partner that things had ended terribly um, contacting me because they apparently missed me. And I don't know if you know awards for good boys on Instagram, but it was that whole, hiya, I know we haven't spoken in so long, but I saw that you posted a photo and you look great about me, so I want to drop in. And it was Yeah, but the, the thing is as well, like things were going well for you. You were getting things back online. You won an amazing award and, yeah. you know, the bloody first minister writes to you. And it's funny that people come back from your past and go, oh, I see you're doing well. Like, do you know, no, you weren't there for my struggles. So you get, don't get to stand by my side when things are going well. Totally. And what I'd kind of felt was like what you're saying basically about this resilience was like she, my therapist said to me, I mean, why is, is he doing this and saying all these things? And she just said, you're getting so upset and frustrated, be curious about it. Don't get angry at it. Just be curious and go, hmm, I wonder why then. Don't be like, I wonder why. And I'm no, no, no. And, 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 and sit with it as well. You know, I've just ended a romantic relationship this morning, <laughs> and um, which is which is fine. But it was just, there was there were, this has actually been a really, it's been two months we've been seeing each other and it's actually been a really, really interesting kind of like, um, What's the word? When you're when you're working on yourself and you're seeing somebody or something like that happens to you, you can actually treat it like a little like a, like a little learning curve. You can almost sit with yourself, yeah, experiment and see like how did I respond to that? And with this particular person, I just got to the point where I thought, no, you've disrespected my boundaries time and time and time again. And I'm actually gonna think, okay, would I accept any of this behaviour from a friend? If the answer is no, then why the hell? would I accept it from a romantic relationship? So it's about, but it, for me, it is really about sticking to that because I live on my own like yourself. I get quite needy for the attention of someone else. And, um, you know, it's easy to just fall back into old, old habits die hard and it's easy to just fall back into, well, you know, you know, and you could tell from his tone, he knew he'd fucked up, but like every other time it was like, um, he's thinking to himself, oh, she'll be all right. I'll just sweet talk her and then we'll be back on track. And when that becomes a firm, like, no and well I'll come and see you tonight I'm busy tonight you know and it's about having those um having those wee respects for yourself as you go to just say do you know what I do deserve better and it's hard because if your self-esteem's low and the person you're seeing knows that you're in a constant circle of trying to justify your boundaries and respect yourself and it's exasperating sometimes the phrase that comes to mind is don't settle never settle no 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 you know, and right now there's not much someone could add to my life to be, you know, to be truthful. Like maybe in the future that'll change. But right now I've got a wee cap. I've got a roof over my head. Things could be worse. <laughs> Before we finish, I would just like to ask, um, obviously, I know that we'll, we'll link your social medias at the end. I'll tell mm-hmm. everyone where to follow you for your YouTube, Instagram and stuff. Um, with the Empowered Women Project, is there anything you would like to kind of add and explain for anyone? Um, so, like I kind of mentioned earlier, yeah, I feel like I've gone off on so many tangents. That's how it's You're a Sagittarius, me. that's fine. I'm a Sag, you just rain me, I need rain. I'm an Aquarius, and this is totally the match that I'm like, let's get us back on track. Let's <laughs> just keep, come on, come but, on, let's just you know do what, like, task in hand. Totally, and do you know what, the last two weeks has been so chaotic energy filled that it was perfect to have someone that has that fiery, <laughs> that's no, but that fiery energy that I needed for the second week, so I'm so glad you've done yeah. it, so... Just as you were saying. Well, I'm definitely not Earth Pun, so it's fine. Um, So, yeah, the Empowered Women Project, like I say, started in March 2018, just while I was in a psychiatric ward when I was staying in Dundee at the time. And um, it kind of just 
it was my wee sanctuary away from the world as I was trying to recover. I'd started on medication and things were kind of improving, but it was like a journal, I guess, in the beginning. And in the beginning, only like 14 people followed it for long enough. It was just like nothing major. It was just a wee thing I did. And um, I think like you'll relate to this as well yourself. I think sometimes in my past, if I've wanted something to be massively accepted and successful, it doesn't always work like that. This was just my wee thing I chipped away at and suddenly it became very clear very quickly that it was something that was needed. And so I just wrote my truth, to be honest. I didn't write anything too crazy. I just basically was like, I've been struggling today, like took these meds today, would like to go for a walk tomorrow, did that. This is the reality. Don't really like my body right now, like blah, blah, blah. It's very real stuff. And I think it came along at a time where women were starting to feel the building pressure of social media and how it was expected to live, have this perfect social media uh, life that you know this flawless lifestyle and flawless relationships and great health and wealth and all this stuff um and so pretty soon um excuse me pretty soon it just kind of um kept on growing and now we have guest contributors and we collaborate with other people and bodies and we give um workshops to different um people and yeah we just do loads of cool stuff we connect um people identify as women and we get a lot of men involved as well like it's just a very collaborative community-based space on and offline well mainly online now obviously Mm -hmm. um and that's about it it still is my wee sanctuary and it's funny because I saw someone post about me the other day saying you know her mental health can't be that bad because she continues to um churn out content and that was really like hard for me to read because I thought you know Turning out content can sometimes be what is a distraction for me. So I think that when you're in the circle of like mental health advocacy, you can't say that one way of coping is right versus anyone else's way of coping. We've all, and especially during the pandemic, again, it's just mental health under a fucking magnifying glass because we're all being faced with our own issues even bigger than they are. It's harder to mask anything. And so, yeah, we just need to be a bit kinder to each other to sum that rant up. It's no, you're totally right. And you know what? Like it's a coping mechanism. And I think <laughs> I think I always dislike people making comments like that. Like no one can define someone else's mental health unless they're literally a trained physician who even then they make mistakes. Yeah, because you're not seeing the world. I'll never see the world through your eyes. I'll never have no. walked a day in your shoes. Yeah. You'll never have walked a day in my shoes. It's it's one of those things where we can we can learn and grow and empathise as much as we can, but you'll never you will never understand someone else's mental health. Do you know? Exactly. Right. We've obviously uh, chatted loads, and I'm sure loving it. Right. But I'm also aware that we might end up finishing recording soon. So the last thing I'd like to ask and let you share is. I would love you to end the podcast with a quote that you find has helped you cope with pandemic and reflecting how you feel at the moment and as a person. Well, this one isn't really so much related to the pandemic, more just the kind of good one for everyone to kind of take on board. It's something that I said off the cuff by accident in a BBC Three thing. And it kind of, now when people say it back or I see it written somewhere, I'm like, I really love that. And it really just is simple and it relates to my journey. And I think a lot of people can do it as well. And it just says, um, Don't hide parts of yourself from the world. The world needs those parts. And I think that the reason I love that we quote so much is that for years and years and years when I was married, I used to think, oh, don't be too much for people. Don't do this. Don't be that. Don't be too vulnerable. And all those bits, now that I've just shared them, I'm living like my most authentic, true, best life with the most amazing friends and truest relationships and 
that was all the bets I was hiding before because I thought it's the bets nobody wanted to see, do you know? Mandy, I think you empower a lot of people to be themselves. <laughs> and I, I really respect so. that and love that. Thank, Thank you so, so much, much for joining Mandy. Thank you for having me. I am very lucky in my life that I have met a lot of introverted people and extroverted people. I have a spectrum of friends from all different kinds of backgrounds and personalities. And I find that very helpful in my life because sometimes I need introverts to help ground me and sometimes I need extroverts to help light a fire under my butt. Mandy is one of those people to light that fire. It's funny, Mandy speaks so eloquently and has a way with words and an empathetic way of communicating with other people. However, prior to doing the recording, Mandy had actually said to me she didn't know if she had much to talk about and that she felt like she wasn't really an artist and, you know, like she'll just talk about things that she knew about. And that is an example right there that she wouldn't mind me sharing with you, that we're on this podcast talking, you know, this is our job, we're communicators, but some people behind the scenes get anxiety, they struggle, their mental health can really play up in ways that you wouldn't even expect. When we talk about things like Caroline Flat happening, which was so tragic, we need to remember to check in on each other and respect boundaries especially. And things like sex work, 110%, but just in everyday life, when people put boundaries in place, they put them there for a reason. They don't put them there out of passive aggressiveness or it's not always actually about you. It can just be for their own personal boundary. I find Mandy's story very interesting because we come from such different um, walks of life. However, we have so many things in common. I find that is always the case with a lot of people you meet. I have a lot of friends that are middle class, working class. Class doesn't really matter. Gender doesn't really matter. It's all about the individual person and giving them the respect they deserve because we are all equal. And Mandy really made that clear in that discussion. Please follow the Empowered Women Project on Instagram. Check out Mandy's YouTube channel, The Mandy Show. She discusses different ways that you can get into sex work that aren't actually ran by patriarchal white male. And please do tune in next week where I'll be interviewing a drag king on what they think the drag community could do to make them more inclusive and ways that they will be transferring their drag to digital workshops. I look forward to sharing that with you next week. Till then, stay safe and remember to breathe. Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast.